Hi, I'm Peggy. And I'm Dave. And this is Amped. Hey, Dave, how are you today? I am doing fantastic, Peggy. And you? I'm doing well. Are you recovered from your beach lounging cabana resting vacation in Aruba? Well, so I worked more during my vacation than I had planned, and I'm still married, so that's good. Um, <laughs> Kara was very forgiving of me. I did, though, I read 11 books in like 13 days. Wow. Yeah. So that was good. Like for work or for fun? No, most, well, so I mean, when I read, I sort of have a mix, but I would say that it was probably 75% stuff that wasn't really for work or sort of personal professional development. Um, So it was really, that was great. I spent a lot of time when I wasn't working, sitting with a Kindle. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's what you like to do. You're not really a wave jumper and surfer guy. No, I got back from vacation and my sister-in-law looked at me and said, did you even go? And I was like, come on, I'm, this is tan for me. And she's like, you're not tan. So that, that tells you. Well, I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're back. Welcome home. Thank you. I appreciate it. How, how have the last few weeks been for you? Um, hot. Yeah, I heard. <laughs> like, like, painful it it was so hot that we actually kind of cashed in some hotel points and went to a hotel for really? the night Be- yeah it was just the true heat was 110 heat index was 120 and it was like you know what i just i'm too damn old and fat to deal with this so we went to a That's hotel a for the night <laughs> so it was fun it was you know the kids thought it was great we found one with an indoor pool and a free breakfast yeah. so we were it good. doesn't take much does it but no, we're good. We're good. Didn't do anything. You know, my kids are still around, so that's good. <laughs> I haven't uh, gotten rid of them yet. I was going to so, ask what know. the alternative was. <laughs> yeah. Summer vacation's wearing down, and, you know, my husband actually goes back to school next week. They start back. So, and how about, yeah, so, yeah, yeah it's, so it's ramping up quickly. It is. It is. Which is, is good. I mean, um, I will miss them when they're gone, but they need to go. <laughs> I'll miss them. Point. Not that much. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I will miss them in short, you know, short spurts while I'm trying to pick up from the damage and clutter of my house yeah. after the past two and a half months. I understand months. that feeling. I understand that. Yeah. All right, so we have a fun podcast today. It's we're we're kind of referring to these as Hall of Fame podcasts because this is a topic that we have spoken about before. Um, so if you're you know a dedicated listener and you go, hey, they talked about this before, we know that, uh, but we feel like it's a topic that that has been brought up and addressed with us so many times, and the information is still relevant. So we thought that it would be a good opportunity. Opportunity, sorry. To go back and kind of revisit the topic, and that is how to prepare for yep. an amputation. And, uh, one that um, most of our guidance remains the same. I think there's been some refinements that that we've identified that that make the podcast a bit more relevant and a bit more uh, helpful um, in certain situations. But we're going to cover a, a range of topics today uh, that were all in the original podcast, um, starting with selecting a surgeon, uh, and obviously. When we say selecting a surgeon, this obviously applies in the context of a 
planned amputation, uh, where you have the opportunity to do all of these steps. Uh, selecting a surgeon, selecting a prosthetist, checking your health insurance and the financial responsibilities that you might be exposed to, what to bring to the hospital, preparing your home, and emotional support. Those are the those are the topics in this Hall of Fame podcast. Absolutely. And again, this is definitely more applicable for our listeners and family members and friends who, who have the foresight to know that the amputation is coming due to, to injury or illness. Um, Dave, you didn't have that opportunity. Uh, yours was traumatic kind of at the scene. I actually had the opportunity to kind of rev up for my amputation. I knew the date that it was going to happen. Um, so I think that, that our surgical amputation experiences yeah, were different than that. But with that being said, I will say that for, for people um, who you know might be in sort of an emergency situation where they've got somebody, uh, you know, a friend or a family member who's going through this, um, you know, this is going to be about a, a 15 minute to 20 minute discussion. And um, a lot of the guidance in here if you have the opportunity to relay it to somebody who's who's uh, sort of in the midst of it, uh, can still be helpful. So even though it is clearly tailored and and best, uh, I think best applied in a situation where you really have lots of time to plan and prepare, uh, there are definitely nuggets in here that if you could extract one or two things for the emergent situation will be helpful. Absolutely. Um, so I'll start off, and that is selecting a surgeon. Um, you know, if, if you know that an amputation is in your future, chances are you've already have relationships with different people in the medical field, maybe your physical therapists, um, nurse case managers, if you have one, or an existing surgeon. Um, even if you're very comfortable with your treating physician and your treating surgeon, we really recommend talking to somebody else outside of that practice um, to seek, seek a second opinion and to just get the peace of mind that, yes, an amputation is necessary um, and to go over the reasons why. Um, and during, during your appointments with your surgeon, you really want to make sure that they explain some very specific things. First of all, you want to know the type of amputation, not only uh, the location, as in, you know, you're going to be through the knee, below knee, above knee, below elbow, upper elbow, whatever, um, but you also want to know, you know, if, if are you going to be doing some sort of nerve routing? Am I going to have the ertl procedure if you're BK? Things like that. You want to know as specific as possible. And Dave, you really want to make sure that you bring somebody yeah, into these it, appointments with you uh, to take notes. I know before before I had my amputation, I actually wrote down a notebook and wrote down, I probably had about 40 questions um, from type of amputation to recovery to prosthetic, everything. And I scheduled an appointment with the surgeon and went in and he actually took the notebook and wrote down the answers as we were going over it. And then he made a photocopy of the notebook for his records as well. Um, I thought that that was really kind of interesting. And I like that he did that. And I like that, you know, the notes were written yeah, right underneath it, it, the this questions is a great so that there point. was no I mean, confusion. It, as most um, people, I think, know, if you've been through a complicated medical situation um, with yourself or a family member, it's it's 
frequently encouraged to have a second set of ears there, uh, just because if it's if it's you who's undergoing the procedure, uh, you know it's it's a highly stressful situation. You may not be processing information uh, the way that you need to. If you're somebody who's been dealing with chronic issues for an extended period of time, now you're going into amputation. You may be taking medications that frankly impair your ability to really retain information the way that you would ideally. Uh, so the bringing, bringing someone with you is really important. Also, Peggy, I want to pick up on um, a point you made when you talked about type of amputation. And this is a, a really interesting topic because um, I was recently speaking to a prosthetist from outside the United States, and he was talking about um, surgical procedures in Europe around amputation. And he was describing procedures, just the whole methodology of what they're doing and why they're doing it um, from an amputation perspective, at least with respect to lower extremity, the types of incisions they're making and how they are finishing the surgeries are very different than in the US. So taking the time to really understand why a particular technique is being done and and how um, they plan on doing it uh, is is well worth the time uh, as, as it may may expose actually certain levels of sophistication uh, in the surgeon doing your your amputation or a lack thereof. And uh, always good to, to try to ask those questions. And that's why we also say ask more than one surgeon, meet with more than one surgeon, because it may be that you'll find that one really does have a very good working knowledge and, and hands-on experience with multiple types of amputation surgeries, while the other one doesn't. And that might be a very relevant factor to consider as you're uh, preparing to to undergo amputation and select the surgeon to do it. Good point, Dave. And that's interesting how I think even regionally within the country, different surgeons perform amputations different ways. Another good way to get information about the surgeon is to talk to prosthetists. Who would they recommend? And talk to other amputees. If, if you were able to get into a support group or support system, talk to them about what surgeon they selected and why. But during, during the appointment with the surgeon, I do want to point out, I think it's really, really beneficial if you have the surgeon actually mark on your body their proposed amputation site and then take a picture of it because you're going to forget exactly where it was and you're going to be, I know I did, and I went back and kept referring to that in the days leading up to the surgery just kind of for planning purposes and to set my own expectations. Um, and it's going to be beneficial yep. for, the next, segue, you know, Peggy. for the next So the next stage, step after you your choose your surgeon care. is you obviously want to have a prosthetist in mind as well. And when it comes to selecting a prosthetist, good news, um, AMPT has a tool for that. So you go to the AMPT prosthetist interview tool on our website. It's one of the earliest tools we created. And it really is, it provides you an objective process uh, that you can apply when interviewing prosthetists. Uh, it it identifies uh, some key questions that you want to get answers to and should help you if you if you use that tool and apply it consistently while interviewing multiple prosthetists you really should be able to get a feel for the differences between them and their personal philosophies and perhaps the the differences in the kinds of patients they treat and what their treatment protocol looks like um, and as Peggy referenced before the value of having that picture that she uh, suggested you take after the surgeon marks where what level of amputation he or she's proposing is you can share that picture with the prosthetist and get feedback from them about that. 
And there is, a, again, a very interesting debate. Again, this prosthetist I met in Europe actually uh, had a very different perspective than what I have always considered the cutting edge perspective in the U.S., particularly with respect to lower extremity amputation around level of amputation. Um, there is a there is a I will say a debate, a historical debate around: Do you try to keep the limb longer or shorter once you've decided above or below the knee? And this is really relevant for below the knee amputees in particular, um, where you can have a very long, uh, very long limb or a, a limb that's uh, you know only a few inches below the knee. And as prosthetic foot technology evolved. Over the last 20 or so years, I think there was an increasing school of thought around the value of going to shorter amputations because you could fit more dynamic feet, which tend to be bigger uh, top to bottom. The build height is higher and you could fit the, these very dynamic, excellent feet under them. And that would give you benefits that you couldn't get with shorter feet. Um, and it was just interesting talking to this prosthetist from Europe again, who's a very progressive clinician uh, who was running back to sort of the more traditional view that you should go with as much lever arm as possible, a longer limb for the below the knee amputee, because the technology on even the, the shorter feet with that are less, arguably less dynamic, he's still saying the, the benefits you're getting there um, outweigh the, the risks of the shorter amputation. So this is something that you really want to have a, a discussion with your prosthetist about. And you want to encourage very clear and open collaboration between the prosthetist and surgeon. Um, if the if the prosthetist particularly has a different opinion than the surgeon, you clearly want those people to talk to each other uh, and to share information and to um, jointly arrive at what they think is the best path for you before you go through that surgery. Good point. You know, I I have run into several people in the community over the past few years, Dave, that have actually sought out to have their yep. BK shortened just so they could fit a new prosthetic component that came on the market. And I always kind of cringe a little bit because, you know, even especially when it's new technology, it's always a little bit bigger. So you need more clearance. But, you know, I, I always tend towards the, if you wait a little bit, it will probably get smaller and will be able to benefit you. That, you know, if you keep cutting and cutting and cutting and going shorter, 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 I mean, it's not going to yeah, grow back. It's, yeah, so I mean, you're absolutely you right. You keep it's, that in mind, but that's probably a podcast for a different difficult topic. decisions, Peggy, and, and there aren't clear and easy answers to them. Everyone's clinical condition is different. Um, but in general, my reaction to that is kind of the same as yours. Yes, in an ideal world, you'd have access to the full range of feet or all feet would be equally good no matter how long your limb was. But, you know, the, the technology today that might be the best thing for you tomorrow, um, you know, there may be an equivalent that is, you know, that is, uh, has a lower build height as an example, and that would have fit under the original amputation. And as you anytime you go in and do major surgery, right, that's, that's, there's risk, there's just risk involved. And, um, you know, unless there, uh, from I can tell you, my decision making around oh, that yeah. personally would just be if there was a compelling limitation in my life that I knew the technology would definitively solve that, and that limitation was so significant that I w it was impairing my ability to be happy 
and enjoy the quality of life that I need to have, um, that's when I would consider doing it. But anything short of that personally would be, I think would just be tough to justify that risk benefit analysis. Yeah, I agree. And I do think, Dave, that this would be an interesting topic to explore a little bit more in depth in a different podcast. Um, So stay tuned. But getting back to our Hall of Fame episode today, um, the next thing you want to do after you've selected your surgeon and you've met with the prosthetist and gone through the prosthetist selector tool and you know you know what direction you want to go and you've done your research, um, you need to, to check with your insurance company. Uh, this is not the time in your life that you want to be hit with out-of-pocket you know, surprises. You want to know what your deductible is going to be, what's your co-insurance, what's your maximum out-of-pocket. You know, it's it's going to be a hard recovery, even when it's planned. It's a it's a hard recovery emotionally and physically. The last thing you need is kind of financial charges coming up and, you know, really kind of knocking the wind out of your recovery sales. Um, and make sure, and this has actually um, come up a few times recently on the news, uh, you want to make sure that everybody on your team is considered in-network for the surgery as well. Um, That includes your surgeon, the anesthesiologist, and the hospital system. Um, You know, and if they're not, you want to make sure that you know that you know that going in, and you know what those financial implications are going to be. Um, Not only do you need to check out your insurance for the surgical side, Dave, but you also need to do it for prosthetics and for recovery supplies as well. You want to talk to the prosthetist billing department about what are my out-of-pockets going to be for the proposed devices, how much are we talking about, how much do I have to come up with. Um, they're going to be able to certainly ballpark those numbers for you. Yeah. And, and if you need you to get, get all of that information Peggy, before you move that forward be for with concern, the amputation right? whenever possible. Exactly. You know, and something we don't have on this list, Dave, that we should, and this might be a good place to kind of interject it, is if you are employed, this is the time that you really need to talk to your employer as well. Get with your HR department, find out how much leave time you have, find out if there's an option for going out on medical leave, what what that's going to impact your paycheck, how long that can last. Um, do they have leave a leave sharing bank that you'll be able to draw from and for how long? You really need those. Those yeah, are hard questions point, to ask, really, but really they're imperative important. that you know the kind of After set you check the stage your for success uh, on all levels. We can get into some of the very practical uh, discussion points uh, that relate specifically to the surgery itself. So what do you bring to the hospital? So uh, it's different depending on your level of amputation. So if you're a lower extremity amputee, Uh, a few things you want to bring. You want to bring shorts that are one size too large. The reason you want the shorts to be running large is because post-surgically you'll be swelling, you're going to be pulling these on and off your body, and you don't want it to get sort of caught up in and uh, constrict in any way the, uh, the surgical site. You're going to need one sneaker and one sock post-surgically. Um, you know, make sure you have that a comfortable shoe, a staple shoe, good treads on it um and obviously a sock to wear to protect your sound foot 
Um, if you've used crutches previously, bring them with you. You'll be using them again um, post-surgically. Um, and you can save yourself the expense, frankly, of getting charged by the hospital for them. And um, I'll let you speak to the next point, Peggy, which is no nightgowns because... I would not recommend a nightgown um, for ladies because your leg, you know, your remaining limb is going to be elevated. You're going to have a lot of people coming in and out. And it's not the time that you want to worry about making sure that kind of all of your Thank private you regions remain private um, in that situation. On the, on the upper so just, you know, wear shorts, things. wear something that has a crotch um, a in it so you don't have to worry about uh, it. With snaps on it. Snaps is a recurring theme You're in shirts welcome. here <laughs> uh, for an upper extremity amputation because you can manage snaps with, with one hand much more easily um, than you can probably buttons right out of the box. Uh, so baggy nightshirt with snaps, uh, a loose fitting shirt to wear during the day with snaps, we used to call these button downs in the original podcast, and this is one of the improvements we've made. Uh, but you know, a shirt that you can snap, uh, pulling shirts over your body, on and off your body, over your head, is going to be really difficult and problematic um, as an upper extremity amputee. So that's why we're talking about shirts that have buttons on them. Uh, no. And Dave, I'm going to inter I'm going to interject real quick. I apologize for cutting you off. Um, there's a lot of companies now that are actually making these adaptive clothing, and it you know Target is now carrying a line of shirts with with magnetic snaps. And I just read that they're going to be unveiling at Kohl's as well. So it's really cool to see some of these um, you know adaptive clothing ideas that make our lives easier really being accepted and used in the mainstream. So, you know, where somebody may be listening to this going, where am I supposed to find a shirt with snaps? Um, it's getting easier and magnetic yeah, straps are really starting really to, good guidance to and, take over. Um, we're not sponsored by not take over. They're Target, starting to become but, more prevalent. Uh, so a worthy just, plug, that was a good thing. So. Um, sweatpants. Um, you don't want to be bringing in pants with zippers and a button fly um, post-surgically sweatpants. For all of their um, the lack of a fashion forward statement that they give you, they are very easy to get on and off. So uh, you bring sweatpants and we close the upper X side of things with what to bring to the hospital with yet another gender specific recommendation. Sports bra, Peggy, take it away. Yes. Um, it's recommended that you that you bring a sports bra, but that you want it one size larger than you would normally wear. Um, and that's to accommodate for post-surgical swelling and just for comfort. Um, as you're recovering, you're going to be laying down a lot. Um, you have this surgical area that's going to swell, but fluid tends to accumulate and it just, it can be very uncomfortable if you're wearing a bra that's too restrictive. So if you feel like you need to wear a bra, we recommend going a size up. And for upper extremity, you may want to look into getting shoes with a Velcro closure just because it kind of takes away that frustration of, you know, you wanted to walk through the hospital halls, but you couldn't tie your sneaker yet. Um, kind of minimizes that anxiety and that frustration during that stage of your recovery. 
yeah, so uh, a few recommendations on preparing your home. All right, so uh, have some we had the surgery, available. we had the amputation, um, and, and now you're going four. home, Dave. And the reason for that is you can keep rotating them and freezing them if you've got four at comfortable intervals. Um, and these can help minimize discomfort. Um, always apply something between the ice pack and your skin. Um, that's really important. Um, I can't tell you, Peggy, how many... Um, amputees I met over the years who had suffered athletic injuries, applied um, ice to their foot, fell asleep for hours, and they, maybe they had like a cooling system. There are these uh, uh, cooling systems out there, uh, post-surgical ones. And if you just have really cold ice water pumping through this thing for hours at a time and you fall asleep, you can end up with such severe frostbite that they end up having to amputate. We, I met patients who became amputees as a result of that. So always make sure there's a barrier uh, there. You also want to prepare your home by queuing up the entertainment. Um, Netflix, Amazon Video, Hulu. Um, if you're if you're back, if you're still tethered to a cable box, um, record some of your favorite shows and or. If you're really old school, break out the DVDs, but make sure you've got that supply of things that you actually want to watch and that will distract you post-surgically because uh, whether you're, you undergo an upper or lower extremity amputation, it's very likely that for um, a, a somewhat extended period of time, you're going to be um, just recuperating and sitting and trying to um, distract yourself. And that's a great way to do it. And you may think, oh, I'm a voracious reader. I'll be able to catch up on all of these novels. Um, and as somebody who thought the same exact thing, um, I, I wasn't able to concentrate long enough because of the pain medication uh, to, to be able to focus on the words and understand what I was reading. It was much better for me to kind of veg out in front of, yeah, great of, point, in front of the TV. You want to take the next two bullets kind here? Of, get through it until the really strong pain subsides and I was able to really concentrate and read. Sure. Um, you want warm, lightweight blankets. You don't want anything too heavy. Um, I know I had huge sleeping issues right out of the box after my amputation because my body symmetry was all messed up. So I couldn't figure out how to turn, how to, how to, put my residual limb it just it felt weird and awkward and foreign and we actually had to switch up the blankets because they were too heavy and I kept getting my leg tangled up in them um and along that note invest in some body pillows they really do help if you need to elevate if you're having trouble with your back because you're laying down elevating so much you can really use those body pillows and manipulate them in ways that you can become comfortable or at least more comfortable. Um, something else that, that you want to get in-house ahead of time are the compression wraps. Um, you know, Follow your surgical team's advice on how often to wrap and how to wrap it. They will teach you how to do it. But this is something that you're going to want to change fairly regularly um, because they do start to smell after a while. So you want to take off the old one, wash it, put on a fresh one, and keep that rotation going. Um, and I'll just, I'll finish out the last two, Dave. 
Is, is that okay? All right. So you also, you want to, if this is especially for lower extremity is get yourself a, cha- a shower chair ahead of time. Uh, you can also get temporary um, shower bars that, that work pretty well with suction cups. Put them up ahead of time. Test them to make sure that they're secure. Um, have everything bathing-wise in place so when you get home, you're able to take care of your hygiene. It's going to be really important. Um, another thing is the elevated toilet seat. Um you may have great strength in your remaining limb now, but once you have an amputation, you lose a lot of weakness right away, um, especially with the pain medications. And it's just something that I found really helps make your life easier. Um, if you can, if you have the means or the ability, you may even want to consider getting a bidet, um, especially for upper extremity. Again, just kind of Make making sure that you can keep yourself clean and eliminating those frustrations as you recover and adapt to your new body. Um, and clear all of your pathways in your home. Get rid of or pick up and put away all of your throw rugs and the pretty area rugs and things like that, the boxes. You want to make sure that you're Great able points, to get to Peggy. your kitchen, and to I your bedroom, you should, to your you couch, to your bathroom, subject, to your front door that with think, as few uh, barriers as possible. You had a lot of input about when we did the original podcast, and you've, I think you've identified some improvements to it as well. So talk about emotional support and what our recommendations are for people to, to buttress that aspect of the post pre and post amputation experience. You know, it, it's something that um, you really need to have a strong team supporting you through the entire journey. Um, talk to your team members first. That can be your spouse, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your siblings, your neighbors, your friends, your coworkers, your parents, your kids, anybody that you know that you can rely upon that has your back. You want to make sure that they are all on board, uh, that they understand the reasons for your amputation, that they completely support you in the recovery. The last thing that you want to have to do is kind of be in the situation where you had an amputation and then you're spending what energy you do have trying to make it okay for everybody else. Um, You really, it's a time to rely on other people and to, to accept their caring, to accept their love. Um, So know who you can rely upon ahead of time um, and let them know that, that, you know, they're on your team and that you're going to need them. Uh, Another thing, Dave, is meet with other amputees. Do some networking ahead of time. Um, I was was fortunate enough to actually, I only met with two, but um, they're both encounters that, that meant the world to me. And I, during my recovery, I went back to those conversations and they provided a lot of, a lot of solace for me. I got a lot of um, great advice, a lot of well-meaning intentions um, that that they really guidance is what I'm looking for. They provided me with a lot of guidance and insights that I would not have come up with on my own. Um, You can talk to the prosthetist that you were interviewing, see if they have a support group in their office, see if they can connect you with other amputees that have already gone through the journey. You can talk to your surgeon to see if they can connect you. 
uh, please join AmpedLife.com, which is our online community. We totally get that you may not want to put everything out on social media. Um, that's why we created this private network. So what you put on the private network and Amp Life stays there, does not show up on your social feeds. Um, the individuals on Amp Life all have to be vetted through us in order to join. It's a great place to ask questions. And while you remember that every situation is clinically unique and different, a lot of times the emotions and the the recovery aspect and the acceptance, those themes seem to be universal. So although, you know, the causes of amputation may be different and life situations may be different, the feelings are very much the same. And one thing, Dave, that, that uh, Daphne, who was the lady who helped me through through my amputation when I was in the decision factor, she suggested that I write a why I made this decision letter to myself. And, you know, at the time I felt like you want me to write a letter to myself explaining why, I mean, I'm in constant pain for five years. I'm not going to forget this. Um, But she was right. And I am so grateful that she made that recommendation and that I did it. Um, In this letter, I wrote down all of my reasons for the surgery, all of the struggles, all of the frustrations, all of the pain and, and inconveniences and heartbreak that I was experiencing for five years trying to maintain my limb, I put down in this letter. Um, I also wrote about why I was doing the amputation, what I wanted my life to be like after the amputation, what my goals were post-amputation. Um, it was raw. It, it was, an, you know, in many ways ugly. It was very truthful. And I am so grateful that I have it because when things did become hard after the amputation, during the recovery, I was able to go back and think it was still worth it because at least I'm not there. At least now I'm moving forward where before I was stuck. At least now I'm able to walk the 15 feet without pain where before I couldn't even weight my foot. Um, it's important to have those concrete reminders. Um, you know, had had video really been available at the time, for me it was not you know, you might also just want to make a very private video to yourself, reminding yourself, you know, this is me pre-amputation. You know, if you're watching this, you may have doubts about why you decided to do this. These are your reasons why. Look at this. Look at this pain. Relive this. Remember where you were. Um, it's something, Dave, that, that has helped me immensely, um, especially the first few years. But now I'm at the point where just every few years... I'll pull it out when I'm having a kind of I'm blue and miss my leg day. And it really yeah, reminds I, I me that you know, my, that was the decision that was by far um, something that I would encourage that I've ever everyone had to decide, who's uh, but facing it was also the best decision that, that I've ever made in my life. There is something about sitting down and having to go through that process that really distills things and makes it very clear in your mind. And um, I, I did not have the chance to do this exercise. And I, um, I am the type of person who at age 27, when I had my accident, if you had told me do this, I would have said, no, I don't need to do this. I, you know, I'll be fine and figure it out. But 
I will tell you, the older I've gotten, the more I think these kinds of exercises um, really do become sort of foundational and uh, foundational lifelines. Um, and they, they remind you of, of personal issues that you will, that will just get lost in the mists of time. They, um, clarify, I think your values and, and, um, you know, the, the, the thought process around these types of critically important life-changing decisions. And I, I just can't, can't emphasize strongly enough how, how much I agree with this and um, wish, wish that I had had the opportunity to do it and wish that I had been smart enough to do it if I had had the opportunity, which I wouldn't have been at 27, uh, knowing who I was then. Um, so really great input, Peggy. So that that brings the, the input to a close. Let's summarize this really quickly, Peggy. Um, we want you to select the right surgeon. We want you to select the right prosthetist. We want you to go and understand your financial exposure and your insurance coverage. We want you to bring the right things to the hospital and prepare your home for the post-amputation uh, rehab process. And we really encourage you to build appropriate emotional support resources uh, for yourself and for the team of people who will be supporting you. Absolutely. And we want you to join our private network. Just go to ampedlife.com. Let us know, you know, I listen to the podcast. This is my situation. Um, have your family members, your support team. They're welcome to join as well. Um, you're not alone. I know when I was leading the days leading up to my amputation, I felt so alone and so lost in my own fears and anxieties. If there's anything that anybody gets out of this who might be in that situation, you're not alone. Well there's said, support Peggy. there. I will not add anything to it and, beyond saying and six that months from I now, estimated this will when just we started this, this would only be 15 to 20 minutes. You, know, you got through so and you're on the path to recovery and to a different life. <laughs> Blankly. <laughs> it's like birds yeah. with their mouths open. I know because my kids keep coming up staring at me. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Peggy. Well, they Great want, talking to they you want as the well. ice cream and, and they know they're not allowed to walk past the living room into the kitchen next week. yet until I'm done. So. Take care. Bye. Exactly. All right, Dave. Good talking to you. Welcome home. Sounds good. Bye.